Welcome to Season 2 of History, Books, and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of vino, and let's dive into the past. Welcome to History, Books, and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. Today I'm going to be sharing with you a bit of history about food rationing during World War II and digging for victory. We're excited to share, so pour a glass of vino and let's dive into the past. Excited for Yay. this one. Um, I, I don't even know what digging for victory is, so... Well, hopefully I can explain it. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yes. But first, what are you drinking today, Eliza? Some of you listeners may recall that in December, Lori and I were drinking from a Costco advent calendar, a wine advent calendar, which is literally the most genius idea ever. Yes. And it was a lot of wine, so I never finished it, especially because then we moved into January and it was dry January month. Yeah. So today <laughs> I'm pulling out a red from the few that I have left over. This one is called Nightfall. And it is a monastrel. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but that's a Spanish grape. Yum. Those yeah. were so much fun. They were. We're definitely going to have to do it again this year. Yes, we do. I am going light today because we are almost in the middle of April and it's so weird. It's already getting hot out. Yeah. So we're kind of skipping spring, but I thought... Uh, I would just go light today. So I'm having a Cavett Ooh. Pinot Grigio, and mine is from Italia. It's Italy. So Italia. It's so Italia. funny because um, I actually almost chose a Cavett Pinot Grigio as well. And I was like, well, I did white the last time we recorded, so I'll do yeah. a red this time. We. It's funny when we choose like the same things. It really is. <laughs> So I'm going to go ahead and start to get into the meat of today's podcast about food rationing during World War II and digging for victory. All right. So during World War II, it was imperative that the governments not only in the U.S. but abroad start rationing food and other goods. Citizens were given ration cards with coupons to purchase items like sugar, eggs, butter, meats, cheese, tea jam, rice, flour, cooking fats, some tin food items, <laughs> lots of things. So all the good stuff. Pretty much all the good stuff. And some non-food items also were being rationed, like fabric for clothing and gasoline or petrol. Mm -hmm. These ration coupons weren't currency, however. So it wasn't like a food stamp where you would take your, you know, your whatever amount you had and they would just give you the food. This was just basically your ticket to be able to purchase an item. So for example, if you didn't have a ration ticket for your daily allotment of eggs, you couldn't purchase eggs. So I guess a lot of thievery probably happened too, because if you got a hold of someone's ration card, you could get more food than you were allotted. Yeah, that's crazy. I bet there was a lot of selling them under the table. Oh yeah, and... I'm sure. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of give an example of what uh, someone might eat on their rations for the week. And uh, one of the reasons that I looked into this even was because a lot of the articles that I read when I was doing research for this podcast said that 
some of the people in the US and Europe were like the healthiest they'd ever been on their rations. And I think it's because they were actually eating like the right amount of food. Yeah. Obviously, some people were starving once it got worse, like they lowered the amount to what you couldn't eat anymore. But so for example, a week's rations was two ounces of butter. I don't know how much that is. It doesn't seem like a lot. It doesn't seem like a lot. <laughs> um, four ounces of bacon or ham, four ounces of margarine. And at some point, by the way, butter was like off the table altogether and people started like just having margarine. Mm-hmm. Um, eight ounces of sugar, which a cup of sugar a week sounds like a lot to me, but I think people used it a lot in like their tea. Interesting. 28 ounces of meat, which actually seems like a pretty decent amount considering you're only supposed to eat like three ounces a meal or something. It does now. I mean, you may address it later, but do families get more? Is this like an individual? Yeah, this is individual. And actually children, the children's rations was different than the adults. Mm -hmm. Three pints of milk. And sometimes that dropped down to two pints. Two to four ounces of cheese, and that's, I mean, that's, that's like two that's or four cheese sticks a week. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I don't think I could survive. Now, here's a, a really awful one, too. One egg a week. Yeah. Wow. Two ounces of tea, which I think is not liquid yet. That's like the leaves. The dry. Yeah. One pound every two months of jam. Okay. That's interesting. Um, Dried eggs uh, was one packet every four weeks. Hmm. And sweets was 12 ounces. I'm guessing maybe that's like chocolates or candies or something. Yeah. I don't think that counts for like baking. So like now, most countries do not produce 100% of their own food items and relied heavily on imports. The government Hmm. produced short films on food preparation and rationing as well as using the printed media to share messages on food. They also had a lot of posters and advertisements printed that talked about sharing the food and it being equal for everyone. So one of the reasons that I guess they did rationing was because they wanted to make sure that everyone was getting an appropriate amount of food. Yeah. When rumors of food rationing started, people naturally started to hoard things like they were going shopping and stocking up like crazy. And I don't know, Lori, if you remember this, but during the pandemic, I witnessed food hoarding a lot at the stores. Yeah. Uh, when it was rumored that our nation was going to shut down and, you know, all of the uh, roads to getting food to people were going to be slowed, people were flocking to the stores and buying the place out. We definitely had food shortages here. I mean, for weeks, there was no chicken. Yeah, we, we had that, too, even after, like, the height of the pandemic. Yeah. The, the, there was that time where they were concerned about the the supply chain. Yep. And I went in the grocery store once and there was almost nothing in the fresh right produce or meat yeah. department. Same. Our grocery store here also started to do their own sort of rationing. So when you would shop, you weren't allowed to buy more than one carton of eggs mm-hmm. and you weren't allowed to buy more than two items of cheese. And it extended uh, beyond that. There was some meat items that you were only allowed to buy, like one of, things like that. It was so strange, like otherworldly. Yeah. So because rationing really restricted what types of foods were available for people to eat, this meant that they had to adjust their diets worldwide. 
And this also meant that people were returning to their own gardens as a source of food and also for trading. Because growing your own food. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even our good friend Madeline started her own garden out back. Yeah. <laughs> So this is where digging for victory came into play. People were creating their own gardens in order to survive, and the government was teaching them how to do that. They were providing lessons and, you know, sources for seeds and things like that. And basically, they would make posters that would say, like, dig your own food, grow your own food, help, Hmm. you know, our country become victorious. Yeah, Uh, Fruits and vegetables were never rationed, but they were often in short supply at the store, which is also what made it really necessary to grow, uh, you know, grow your own food sources. Yeah. Interestingly, bananas and onions were often some of the foodstuffs that were hard to come by. And I'm not sure. Uh, Bananas don't grow very well in in the most parts of the U.S. Right. So the supply chain is probably... Bad. Yeah, I grew up in a small town in Mississippi, and there was a family who had a banana tree across from oh, cool. that lived in the house caddy corner to mine. And I remember my dad talking about how unusual it was. For them and, to have the banana tree, yeah. Yeah, and they would occasionally have bananas pop up on it. That's awesome. I could totally see the banana thing because of the weather mm-hmm. and like the environment. But onions, like, they're grown underground. Why was yeah. that something that was... And I mean, they even grow in the wild. So I just found that to be really interesting. Um, It also meant that people were having to come up with some pretty interesting recipes, being that there was only certain amounts of foods and certain uh, things were missing. Had to be creative. Right? So one example is Woolton pie, which was named after the Minister of Food in Britain. It was a vegetable pie with a bland gravy mixed with oats and topped with a potato crust. It almost sounds okay. like a vegetarian version of shepherd's pie. I feel yeah, like. it does. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I I am. So some people might think that sounds disgusting, but I'm actually kind of like, hmm, I would try that. Like I, I like too. shepherd's pie and I love vegetarian <laughs> foods. So I'm totally in on it. I, I love potatoes. So. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should try making it in, in, when we're on retreat together. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like a lot of work. It does actually. But I would totally, <laughs> if we were like working as a group, yeah. We can maybe make it work. We could do that. <laughs> we could buy the pre-cut veggies. Yes. <laughs> we don't have to grow them ourselves like these people did. Um, this pie was also served at the Savoy Hotel to make it seem like more elegant. Like even the people dining at the Savoy are having molten pie. You know, isn't that what happened with French fries? And oh, or potatoes know. in France or something. Wasn't it? Um one of the kings was, I, I mean, obviously, I have not currently done research on this, but someone brought potatoes into the palace and started serving them because he wanted uh, the common... Like to encourage them to eat potatoes? Yes. That's so smart. Mm-hmm. So even some countries such as Ireland and Switzerland, who were considered neutral during World War II, they still rationed products... Um, And that's obviously because supply chains were disrupted. But not all countries were under ration. This, I'm still confused by that because I feel like even if you're not at war, just like these other countries, the supply chains are going to be disrupted. Like not everyone can be fully sustainable. So one of those countries, for example, that wasn't under a food ration was Portugal. And people would like flock there because you could like dine anywhere and like Mm -hmm. eat whatever you wanted. So... That is interesting that they were able to still 
Yeah. Keep up a no- normal fare. And I wonder if part of it is their uh, climate. Maybe. maybe. Maybe they were able to grow more. And right. Bargain they had for like more. Better, if, if whatever their area was, maybe they were able to get things from other places easier. Mm-hmm. That is it for the meat of the story. And I do have some fun facts for you, though. Oh, I can't wait for the fun facts. But before we dive into those, uh, which, of course, is one of our favorite parts of the show, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Hey, history lovers, Eliza here. We're interrupting today's happy hour to let you know that Lori and I host another fascinating podcast with our friend Brenna Ash. Hey there, this is Brenna. Crime Feast is a true crime podcast hosted by three friends who are obsessed with all things crime. Each week, join Brenna, Eliza, and I as we serve up a platter of murders, mayhem, missing persons, tragedies, and more. Feast on notorious tales ripped from today's headlines and resurrected from the past. Until then, stay safe out there. We don't want you on the menu next. Now, back to the show. Cheers! The first time I used Instacart was with my sister. We were baking cookies and I'd forgotten the butter. Instacart to the rescue. Now I even use it when we're on vacation so our staples are delivered right to our door. Save yourself that trip to the market. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. They connect you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. Follow the link in our show notes, and that lets Instacart know we sent you and help support our show. Plus, you'll get free delivery on your first order over $35. There's multiple stores available in most areas. Shop all your favorites on a single order. The products you love from local stores. Hand-selected by shoppers based on your preferences. Delivery to your door in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. Find everything you usually buy and get smart suggestions for new items. They pick the freshest produce and keep your eggs safe too. Let Instacart shop for you. Hello, listeners. This is Lori, and I'm here to tell you that podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. We use Buzzsprout, and it's hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. You'll get a great looking podcast website, detailed analytics, and more. Following the link in our show notes, let's Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. And we are back, Eliza, so I'm ready to hear your fun facts. Yay! All right, so I think these are really fun, so hopefully you find them to be fun as well. Hmm. Um, Queen Elizabeth uh, II and her sister Princess Margaret, along with their girl guide troop at Windsor Castle during World War II, used to dig for victory. I thought that was cool. That's great. I mean, because, you know, the the queen, did she have to use rationing coupons too? Yes. But it, it also does go back to what I was saying in France, how yep. you have to set an example and it shows everyone that you're doing the same things. And it's, 
become something that's attainable and productive, I guess. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it just shows like, hey, you know, we might live in this castle, but we're still suffering along with our people. So we're all in this together, I guess, sort of thing. Yeah, and also she was an amazing leader. So I, I think she, she I think had a way of connecting. Way. Yeah, mm-hmm. she did. So also another fun fact is that food rationing didn't simply end with the end of the war, kind of like how you were talking about even like far into the pandemic, people were still like having supply chain issues, even now, Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's still some issues a year after like the height of the pandemic. So for some countries, it took several years before people were able to buy certain items like sugar whenever and however they wanted. The reason for this, obviously, was because of the war and destruction had interrupted industrialization of the world and the production of certain goods and products, thereby disrupting distribution. Mm-hmm. So simply put, there just wasn't enough to go around. And on that, also added to that a uh, fun note, is that petrol or gasoline was also rationed until 1950. Yeah. And my third fun fact, which seemed appropriate because of our podcast, is that beer, spirits, and wine were not rationed. (laughs) So, sadly for us, uh, if we'd been alive during this time period, it was hard to come by. (laughs) Oh, I was was about to say, well, you would starve, but at least you'd be happy doing it. Oh, sadly. Or I don't don't know. It's probably not good for your stomach to not eat a lot of food, but also to consume a lot of alcohol. (laughs) Very true. Very true. So that's it for my fun facts. On, well, I uh, really enjoyed this. Yay, and now I know what digging for victory is. Yeah, it's basically just gardening so that you can supply your own food. <laughs> I am not good at digging for victory. I suck at gardening. We even, yeah. so I didn't try to do a garden outside. I've tried many times. I've failed many times. But we did get those, um, what are they like, the hydro pod things or whatever where mm-hmm. it's like the water thing and you put the little pods in and it grows you some they're things. supposed to be really easy yes so i was growing green peppers and they looked so amazing but then we went out of town and i forgot to tell the person who was watching uh, like getting our mail and stuff to put water into it so when we came home it had died oh yeah and i That's i sad. did was able to salvage like two tiny green peppers they were like the size of like a lime and i Mm -hmm. ate them they were delicious that's great and then (laughs) (laughs) at least you had something right we grew lettuce and um the same thing happened i mean pretty much everything died when we left and no one watered it yeah watering is important (laughs) it is important my husband has planted some blueberry bushes so we get blueberries occasionally and every so often he'll do some tomatoes and yeah. peppers and cucumbers, but we typically don't get a lot. And I think that's just, I mean, you know, you kind of get out of it, what you put into it. Right. And, and I'm not great about going down and helping. So <laughs> we had, <laughs> because um, I kill everything. I do too. Yeah. I do too. We had a really random pumpkin growth here um, last fall. Mm-hmm. I guess a bird had dropped a pumpkin seed or something in our front walkway garden. Yeah. And it grew over our sidewalk into our front lawn. And it was like, at one point, I don't know, maybe like eight pumpkins. Only yeah. three survived. And um, 
fortunately, like we were able to keep the, they grew like pretty good size. Mm -hmm. The other ones all died because I wasn't watering it. And one of my friends was like, you probably should water it. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I should touch it. Like I'm bad at this stuff. I'll probably kill it. But (laughs) three of them did survive. That's nice. At least maybe you had them for Halloween. We did. It was perfect. It was perfect timing. My husband once planted some watermelon seeds that turned out to be pumpkin seeds. Oh my God. They were on the side of the house and they kept growing back and he kept having to move the vine to grow in a direction where it wouldn't interfere with parts of the yard. But that was. I wonder if they'll grow again. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I have because no we've had him a couple times, yeah. and I don't know if he keeps throwing seeds out there or <laughs> <laughs> he's better at that than I am. There was one other random gardening story I want to share, and then we can move on. But um, <laughs> so I, at one time, was attempting to do a vegetable garden, and um, my youngest was helping me plant seeds, and. I think she took some and like threw them all around like her swing set area Mm -hmm. because none of mine grew, but this massive cherry tomato plant grew by her swing set (laughs) and it flourished. I mean, we ate all summer from this tomato plant. I never touched it. It was just natural rain, whatever fed it. And that was the only success I had with tomatoes. And it was actually her just randomly throwing them somewhere. Your daughter needs to be doing the gardening. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, next up on the show, Eliza, can you tell us what are you reading? Yes, I am reading The Last Mrs. Parrish by Liv Constantine. Mm -hmm. It is a mesmerizing debut about a coolly manipulative woman and a wealthy golden couple from a stunning new voice in psychological suspense. Ooh, I love suspense. Me too. It's, It's good so far. So the description is Amber Patterson is fed up. She's tired of being a nobody a plain, invisible woman who blends into the background. She deserves more, a life of money and power like the one blonde-haired, blue-eyed goddess Daphne Parrish takes for granted. To everyone in the exclusive town of Bishop's Harbor, Connecticut, Daphne, a socialite and philanthropist, and her real estate mogul husband, Jackson, are a couple straight out of a fairy tale. Amber's envy could eat her alive if she didn't have a plan. Amber uses Daphne's compassion and caring to insinuate herself into the family's life, the first step in a meticulous scheme to undermine her. Mm. Before long, Amber is Daphne's closest confidant, traveling to Europe with the parishes and their lovely young daughters and growing closer to Jackson. But a skeleton from her past may undermine everything that Amber has worked towards, and if it is discovered, her well-laid plan may fall to pieces. With shocking turns and dark secrets that will keep you guessing until the end, The Last Mrs. Parish is a fresh, juicy, and utterly addictive thriller from a diabolically imaginative talent. Ooh, I'm definitely going to have to check that one out. It sounds good. Yeah, I'm listening to it on audio, and it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eliza, uh, speaking of books, can you recommend one of your books to our listeners today? I surely can. I'm going to recommend the one I've been recommending lately because it's going to release soon. (laughs) So you can pre-order it. Um, It releases June 6th, and that is starring Adele Astaire. It is about the life of Adele Astaire, a spirited and talented woman who served up smiles and love both on and off the stage with and without her also famous brother, Fred Astaire, along with a determined young dancer named Violet with rags to riches dreams. I cannot wait 
until this releases. I've started it and I'm really enjoying it so far. Thank you so much. So good. We hope you enjoyed today's happy hour chat about food rationing during World War II and digging for victory. Coming up, we have guest author Stephanie Dre, E. Elizabeth Watson, Shelley Noble, and historian Holly Snaith. Coming up, we have a special happy hour chat about some of our favorite period historical movies and television shows featuring two special guests and a book release celebration for Eliza's new novel starring Adele Astaire. Yay! I'm excited about that because that show will air on release day. Oh, so exciting! Yay! See you soon! All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HistoryBKSWine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. That way you're notified every time a new episode is live. Subscribes and reviews help us get noticed. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time. Cheers and happy reading.